Chapter 58 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains, by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Arrangements among the partners. Mr. Hunt sails in the Albatross. Arrives at the Marquesas. News of the frigate Phoebe. Mr. Hunt proceeds to the Sandwich Islands. Voyage of the Lark. Her shipwreck. Transactions with the natives of the Sandwich Islands. Conduct of Tamea Mr. Hunt was overwhelmed with surprise when he learnt the resolution taken by the partners to abandon Astoria. He soon found, however, that matters had gone too far, and the minds of his colleagues had become too firmly bent upon the measure to render any opposition of avail. He was beset, too, with the same disparaging accounts of the interior trade and of the whole concerns and prospects of the company that had been rendered to Mr. Astor. His own experience had been full of perplexities and discouragements. He had a conscientious anxiety for the interests of Mr. Astor, and not comprehending the extended views of that gentleman and his habit of operating with great amounts he had from the first been daunted by the enormous expenses required and had become disheartened by the subsequent losses sustained which appeared to him to be ruinous in their magnitude by degrees therefore he was brought to acquiesce in the step taken by his colleagues as perhaps advisable in the exigencies of the case his only care was to wind up the business with as little further loss as possible to mr astor a large stock of valuable furs was collected at the factory which it was necessary to get to a market there were twenty-five sandwich islanders also in the employ of the company whom they were bound by express agreement to restore to their native country for these purposes a ship was necessary the albatross was bound to the marquesas and thence to the sandwich islands it was resolved that mr hunt should sail in her in quest of a vessel and should return if possible by the first of january bringing with him a supply of provisions should anything occur however to prevent his return an arrangement was to be proposed to mr mctavish to transfer such of the men as were so disposed from the service of the american fur company into that of the northwest the latter becoming responsible for the wages due them on receiving an equivalent in goods from the storehouse of the factory as a means of facilitating the dispatch of business mr mcdougall proposed that in case mr hunt should not return the whole arrangement with mr mctavish should be left solely to him this was assented to the contingency being considered possible but not probable it is proper to note that on the first announcement by mr mcdougall of his intention to break up the establishment three of the clerks british subjects had with his consent passed into the service of the northwest company and departed with mr mctavish for his post in the interior having arranged all these matters during the sojourn of six days at astoria mr hunt set sail in the albatross on the twenty sixth of august and arrived without incident at the marquesas he had not been there long when porter arrived in the frigate essex bringing in a number of stout london whalers as prizes having made a sweeping cruise in the pacific from commodore porter he received the alarming intelligence that the british frigate phoebe with a storeship mounted with battering pieces calculated to attack forts 
had arrived at rio janeiro where she had been joined by the sloops of war cherub and raccoon and that they had all sailed in company on the sixth of july for the pacific bound as it was supposed to columbia river here then was the death warrant of unfortunate astoria the anxious mind of mr hunt was in greater perplexity than ever he had been eager to extricate the property of mr astor from a failing concern with as little loss as possible there was now danger that the whole would be swallowed up how was it to be snatched from the gulf it was impossible to charter a ship for the purpose now that a british squadron was on its way to the river he applied to purchase one of the whale ships brought in by commodore porter the commodore demanded twenty five thousand dollars for her the price appeared exorbitant and no bargain could be made mr hunt then urged the commodore to fit out one of his prizes and send her to astoria to bring off the property and part of the people but he declined from want of authority he assured mr hunt however that he would endeavor to fall in with the enemy or should he hear of their having certainly gone to the columbia he would either follow or anticipate them should his circumstances warrant such a step in this tantalizing state of suspense mr hunt was detained at the marquesas until november twenty third when he proceeded in the albatross to the sandwich islands he still cherished a faint hope that notwithstanding the war and all other discouraging circumstances the annual ship might have been sent by mr astor and might have touched at the islands and proceeded to the columbia he knew the pride and interest taken by that gentleman in his great enterprise and that he would not be deterred by dangers and difficulties from prosecuting it much less would he leave the infant establishment without succor and support in the time of trouble in this we have seen he did but justice to mr astor and we must now turn to notice the cause of the non-arrival of the vessel which he had dispatched with reinforcements and supplies her voyage forms another chapter of accidents in this eventful story the lark sailed from new york on the sixth of march eighteen thirteen and proceeded prosperously on her voyage until within a few degrees of the sandwich islands here a gale sprang up that soon blew with tremendous violence the lark was a staunch and noble ship and for a time buffeted bravely with the storm unluckily however she breached too and was struck by a heavy sea that hove her on her beam ends the helm too was knocked to leeward all command of the vessel was lost and another mountain wave completely overset her orders were given to cut away the mass in the hurry and confusion the boats also were unfortunately cut adrift the wreck then righted but was a mere hulk full of water with a heavy sea washing over it and all the hatches off on mustering the crew one man was missing who was discovered below in the forecastle drowned in cutting away the mass it had been utterly impossible to observe the necessary precaution of commencing with the lee rigging that being from the position of the ship completely under water the masts and spars therefore being linked to the wreck by the shrouds and the rigging remained alongside for four days 
during all this time the ship lay rolling in the trough of the sea the heavy surges breaking over her and the spars heaving and banging to and fro bruising the half-drowned sailors that clung to the bowsprit and the stumps of the masts the sufferings of these poor fellows were intolerable they stood to their waists in water in imminent peril of being washed off by every surge in this position they dared not sleep lest they should let go their hold and be swept away the only dry place on the wreck was the bowsprit here they took turns to be tied on for half an hour at a time and in this way gained short snatches of sleep on the fourteenth the first mate died at his post and was swept off by the surges on the seventeenth two seamen faint and exhausted were washed overboard the next wave threw their bodies back upon the deck where they remained swashing backward and forward ghastly objects to the almost perishing survivors mr ogden the supercargo who was at the bowsprit called to the men nearest to the bodies to fasten them to the wreck as a last horrible resource in case of being driven to extremity by famine on the seventeenth the gale gradually subsided and the sea became calm the sailors now crawled feebly about the wreck and began to relieve it from the main encumbrances the spars were cleared away the anchors and guns heaved overboard the sprit sail yard was rigged for a jury mast and a mizzen top sail set upon it a sort of stage was made of a few broken spars on which the crew were raised above the surface of the water so as to be enabled to keep themselves dry and to sleep comfortably still their sufferings from hunger and thirst were great but there was a sandwich islander on board an expert swimmer who found his way into the cabin and occasionally brought up a few bottles of wine and porter and at length got into the rum and secured a quarter cask of wine a little raw pork was likewise procured and dealt out with a sparing hand the horrors of their situation were increased by the sight of numerous sharks prowling about the wreck as if waiting for their prey on the twenty fourth the cook a black man died and was cast into the sea when he was instantly seized on by these ravenous monsters they had been several days making slow headway under scanty sail when on the twenty-fifth they came in sight of land it was about fifteen leagues distant and they remained two or three days drifting along in sight of it on the twenty-eighth they descried to their great transport a canoe approaching managed by natives they came alongside and brought a most welcome supply of potatoes they informed them that the land they had made was one of the sandwich islands the second mate and one of the seamen went on shore in the canoe for water and provisions and to procure aid from the islanders in towing the wreck into a harbour neither of the men returned nor was any assistance sent from shore the next day ten or twelve canoes came alongside but roamed round the wreck like so many sharks and would render no aid in towing her to land the sea continued to break over the vessel with such violence that it was impossible to stand at the helm without the assistance of lashings 
the crew were now so worn down by famine and thirst that the captain saw it would be impossible for them to withstand the breaking of the sea when the ship should ground he deemed the only chance for their lives therefore was to get to land in the canoes and stand ready to receive and protect the wreck when she should drift ashore accordingly they all got safe to land but had scarcely touched the beach when they were surrounded by the natives who stripped them almost naked the name of this inhospitable island was tahuroa in the course of the night the wreck came drifting to the strand with the surf thundering round her and shortly afterwards bilged on the following morning numerous casks of provisions floated on shore the natives staved them for the sake of the iron hoops but would not allow the crew to help themselves to the contents or to go on board of the wreck as the crew were in want of everything and as it might be a long time before any opportunity occurred for them to get away from these islands mr ogden as soon as he could get a chance made his way to the island of owyhee and endeavoured to make some arrangement with the king for the relief of his companions in misfortune the illustrious tamea as we have shown on a former occasion was a shrewd bargainer and in the present instance proved himself an experienced wrecker his negotiations with mcdougall and the other heiries of the great american fur company had but little effect on present circumstances and he proceeded to avail himself of their misfortunes he agreed to furnish the crew with provisions during their stay in his territories and to return to them all their clothing that could be found but he stipulated that the wreck should be abandoned to him as a waif cast by fortune on his shores with these conditions mr ogden was fain to comply upon this the great tamea deputed his favourite john young the tarpaulin governor of owyhee to proceed with a number of royal guards and take possession of the wreck on behalf of the crown this was done accordingly and the property and crew were removed to owyhee the royal bounty appears to have been but scanty in its dispensations the crew fared but meagrely though on reading the journal of the voyage it is singular to find them after all the hardships they had suffered so sensitive about petty inconveniences as to exclaim against the king as a savage monster for refusing them a pot to cook in or denying mr ogden the use of a knife and fork which had been saved from the wreck such was the unfortunate catastrophe of the lark had she reached her destination in safety affairs at astoria might have taken a different course a strange fatality seems to have attended all the expeditions by sea nor were those by land much less disastrous captain northrop was still at the sandwich islands on december twentieth when mr hunt arrived the latter immediately purchased for ten thousand dollars a brig called the peddler and put captain northrop in command of her they set sail for astoria on the twenty second of january intending to remove the property from thence as speedily as possible to the russian settlements on the northwest coast to prevent it from falling into the hands of the british such were the orders of mr astor sent out by the lark we will now leave mr hunt on his voyage and return to see what has taken place at astoria during his absence 
End of chapter 58